The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss last week's episode of Friday Night Dynamite. And uh, Mike, before we get into it, I I am just so glad that we're almost done with Friday Night Dynamite. Yeah, dude, me too, because it feels like it's been, what, two weeks since we put out an episode? Uh, It has been, yeah. Yeah, these Friday nights, they're tough, and it makes me question how the hell we're going to cover Rampage (laughs) come this fall. So we'll we'll cross that road when it gets there. But yeah, it's also, too, because, like, it's not just on Friday nights. It's at like 10 o'clock on Friday night. Yeah. Like if it was eight. Okay. If we're both available, we could have easily done it or we watch when we can and do it on like Saturday or Sunday, but it's just so damn late. Um, yeah. Saturday night dynamite this week. And then we're back to normal until essentially, honestly, this should be the last time we have to do this because with dynamite moving to TBS next spring, <clears throat> They won't have to worry about the NBA playoffs anymore. So this should be one it. more reason to be excited about that. And uh, Saturday, yes. I don't I don't know how you're planning on treating Saturday Night Dynamite, but I'm planning on treating it like an event. Me we too. might order pizza or, you know, do something specific to uh, to, you know, make it a big deal. I'm like, uh, but I'm, I'm looking incredibly to free this weekend, too, by the way. We can plan recording <laughs> offline, but like. I literally have nothing to do from Saturday morning till Monday. So, all right. Like, well, we'll see. We'll see what we can put together. Cool. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's get let's, into. Yeah. yeah and we're going to start down. this week with the opening match of the card. Stock up, stock down. So, Joel, you told me you wanted to save your thoughts for the podcast when I texted you a little earlier when I was watching this. I thought this was kind of fun. Like, I kind of liked how it they it seems like a MMA match to start. Like, I've watched some cage fighting, and it kind of started off with the, the punches and then the takedowns, and then it kind of devolved into a wrestling match at times. Um, so I, I thought it was fun. I, I had zero expectations for this match, which might be why I'm coming away positive, because it wasn't a dumpster fire. <laughs> Like, I don't know if I would trust any company to do this, by the way. Like, WWE has done like, oh, we're going to do sumo wrestling. We're going to do boxing. We're going to do an underground fight club. And they've all just have been duds. And I don't think this was. But, Joel, you wanted to save your thoughts for the pod? What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to put some some stipulations out there to begin with. One, these are two very talented guys, and I think they did good work. Uh this was better than I was expecting, but I, I think the main thought that I had while watching it and the main thought that I had coming out of it was, who is this for? Because mm-hmm. if you're a pro wrestling fan, you want to see people wrestling. You want to see <laughs> the performers doing the thing that they are best at. And I know that they really work this whole Jake Hager is undefeated in MMA gimmick, but mm-hmm. like give me a break. He's competing in Bellator against not like the biggest names in mixed martial arts. If you are a mixed martial arts fan and you watch MMA regularly, then 
there were too many things that would take you out of this match. Like the Hurricane I'll, Rana? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example. It happened very early on in the match when they were still in the like very MMA stage of things. And there was a moment where Wardlow pushed Jake Hager up against the side of the cage. And there was so much separation between their bodies that in a real MMA match, Hager's knees would have been blasting Wardlow in the ribs. <laughs> and that would have been the end of the bout because Wardlow's ribs would have been broken. And it, it, there's just no way that any fighter would allow that much space in between themselves and their competitor with their midsection exposed like that. Or alternately, when Hager went up against the cage, Wardlow would have gone in with the knees at Hager's midsection. So there's just there were things like that that really took me out of it from a realistic MMA perspective. And so I don't feel like it really would work for you if MMA is what you're looking for. And then similarly, like I said already, it didn't really give me exactly what I want as a wrestling fan. What it did give me was more desire to see these two one-on-one in a pro wrestling ring. No stipulations, no funky ring, just a pro wrestling match because I think they have great chemistry and I want to see that match. So if that was the goal then mission accomplished. So I'm not really like thumbs down on this. I think I'm overall a net positive, mm-hmm. but I'm left confused and I don't really want them yeah. to do it again. So what I found interesting about this, and it, it kind of goes to the, who is this for? If you look at like the demographics of like the UFC versus like say WWE, they don't really align. <laughs> like WWE primary market right now is at 55 plus age range. Well, MMA is more in that 18 to 35 demographic. I thought it was interesting because AEW kicks ass in that 18 to 35 demographic more so than any other wrestling company uh, right now. Um, so I, 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 I was interested at in how this would land because I wonder if AEW is trying to see, do we have a crossover here? Is there any interest? Like, do we have shared fans between the M- from MMA and AEW? which the age demographics that they dominate in would say there should be some. So I feel like this had a better chance of having some success than compared to say WWE, where they really don't have a big UFC uh, WWE crossover, unless there's like the round of Rousey's of the world showing up to fight. So um, yeah, I, I don't really need to see them do it again. (laughs) I think they now own that that ring. So I'm sure (laughs) they will, they will find some reason to use it uh, to get their ROI. (laughs) But um, like one of the things that I saw coming out of this was like uh, people tweeting at Thunder Rosa being like, who do you want to face in an MMA match in, in AEW? Cause she also has competed in mixed martial arts as an actual fighter. And it's like, I I really don't need to see that done because I don't think this was successful enough for it to mm-hmm. be worth doing over again. You know, like we loved stadium stampede one and we were even iffy on, should they do that again? Because, you know, it was unique. It was interesting the first time. And what we saw with the past pay-per-view is diminishing returns. So, I don't think this is something I really want to see explored further. Now, to your point about the demographics, TNT has also placed MMA on after Dynamite 
at mm-hmm. times over the past several months. So I do think there's definitely something uh, to be said about that. And, you know, it was, I loved the presentation of it. It mm-hmm. looked great. I really enjoyed the attention to detail of having the officials outside the ring checking like every aspect of their gear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything about this looked great. Just the action in the ring felt a little bit stilted. And um, oh, even once Aubrey they got into Edwards. the pro wrestling portion, it was great. Yeah. Well, even Aubrey Edwards, like not wearing the traditional AEW ref gear, yes. you know, she was yes, wearing I all black, that. looking more like, you know, the MMA uh, presentation. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily need to see it again. I think it would work better if it was someone more known for MMA. Like Hager, if you're a wrestling fan and you crossed over to AW, you've known him for a decade now. Like in my eyes, Hager's not an MMA fighter. He's a wrestler who dabbles in MMA. If, if this was like a Kogo, I think it would feel different because there's a weight. Bo- now, I know a Kogo is not a cage fighter, but like he's a legit fighter uh, who made a name for himself in that before he got mm-hmm. to wrestling. So I think maybe that would just make it feel a little different. Cause it's like, Hey, welcome to my world. Because I think if you're going to do this type of match, you kind of frame it like, like Warlow's response should be, well, you beat me in a boxing in a, in an MMA fight. We'll come into the, re- like, let's do a match, a wrestling match. And that's how you get his W back saying, cause I'm a wrestler. You're a mixed martial artist. Like, so I think, I think what I would like to see um, what would be a way to kind of get at, I think what you're talking about is have Wardlow versus Jake Hager at stealing from ring of honor in a pure rules match mm-hmm. where you have the, there are only three rope breaks uh, in the match period and no striking. You can't punch, you can't kick it's all grapples, throws, lifts, and holds. And there, you know, there are a handful of wrestlers that have had really great, really compelling matches. Uh, I think there was one between Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham when they brought the Pure Rules Championship back that was just really compelling. Um, I, I know Jonathan Gresham was in that match. I think it was against Jay Lethal. I can't quite yes. remember. Uh, but yeah, it basically comes down to what's Wardlow's specialty that he can then take advantage of and be like, okay, welcome to my world, bitch. Like, like how do they, how do they do that? So um, I'm with you though. I, I was excited about these two guys and you know me, I, I have, I, we got blocked by Hager because I hated him so much. So for me to <laughs> talk about wanting to see more Jake Hager, wanting to see more Wardlow, um, I think is, you know, I think they did what they needed to do, but like you said, who's this for? What's kind of the reason for it? And I wanted to talk on one thing not related to those two men, but I like the framing of Sammy Guevara versus MJF being the feud now with him coming out to make the save. I think it's announced they're going to face off at, uh, I think, a dynamite here coming up. Um, I don't remember which one, um, because that's what we want to see. We want to see Sammy and MJF go at it because we know these guys will put on a five-star match. So um, if... The continue, you know, I mean, I was not a big fan of this story continuing. Um, I thought there were two endings that they should have had already. But if this helps elevate Sammy up the card even more, with Jericho maybe taking a little bit of a step back, then you got me. I'm in for it. 
Agreed. So I think we're kind of adjacent to what our next topic was going to be, which is, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit in the open about not really caring for these Friday night, Saturday night dynamite shows with AEW going back to Wednesday nights. We have one normal Wednesday night show <laughs> on June 30th. And then the next four shows on the calendar are named dynamite shows. We have Fighter Fest 1, Fighter Fest 2, Fight for the Fallen, and <laughs> I, I forget what the other one is that they're doing with like all the neon theme. Oh, and... Road Rager. Road Rager, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I it's the same Bash at the Beach color scheme. It's in Miami. They should have just done Bash at the Beach. But yeah, I don't know what the difference for these shows are going to be. Are we getting a month basically worth of pay-per-views? Like, I mean, I, I, I think what we're likely to see is that on each of these episodes, at least one title is likely to be defended. I think you can bet on that. I um, mean, we only have three AEW championships and we have four events. <laughs> four. Which one am I missing? Tag titles, AEW championship, TNT Oh, you're right. You're right. I forgot the championship. TNT championship. Okay, we got four. We got four. So I guess we can stretch it out here. But also, Joel, the TNT championship, Miro could defend on each every and week. every one of yeah. these shows. Like, um, One of the things we have talked about in the past is that sometimes when we have too many of these, the stories kind of stop. Now, if you look at when uh, All Out is, you know, you have uh, September 5th. These events run the entire month of July. So we're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six. Like there's going to be six dynamites between the ends of these four events and all out. So I'm not really that worried this go around because I feel like six weeks is enough time to build towards these eventual all out main events. And I also think these, these four uh, shows give us a chance to resolve some of the long running stories that we've had. Um, God, just count them. Like, Everyone versus the elite, it seems like. <laughs> um, Matt Hardy and Christian seems like this would be a good time to get this settled. Any of the team Taz stuff. Um, Hangman got Page. Darby and Ethan Darby, Page. Yeah. Um, so there's a, like, yeah, it's not a singular event where you can say, okay, here's where they're all culminating to. But maybe it gives us a chance for all these matches to really get the time they deserve. Nyla Rose and... Britt Baker seems like a perfect match to have during this stretch, given the main event of one of these, you know, special events. So, um, so it is weird that there's the, four in a row. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the part that I don't understand is why is fighter fest split across two weeks? Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Why do we not have one show that's fighter fest, one show that's fight for the fallen. And then if they want to yeah. have a road rager, have a road rager. I know that they did that last year. I think that was more due to the pandemic of right. trying to stretch the show out. Um, I'm sure that those shows did great ratings wise. And one of the things that AEW talked about with their switch to TBS and their contract extension was more special events on TNT mm -hmm. once they're on TBS. So I also think it, it, it has to do with them being in front of on the being on the road again. These are the yeah. first four episodes that they've been on the road since February 2020, end of March, early March 2020. Like it's been forever since they've been on the road. And 
we've seen it with the NBA playoffs. They feel different when you have a full crowd. And Definitely. it's it's going to be nice not seeing Daly's plays every single week. You know, like seeing the arenas, seeing the fans, a normal ring setup. So I think it's just kind of, I don't know, I kind of look at it as like their relaunch 2.0. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're back. The pandemic's essentially over-ish in the United States. Um, and yeah, I, I, th- I think that's what they're going for here. It might be too much. I though. agree. I agree. So the concern that I have is the same concern that I had from like this past December, which is we're going to come out of this and they're like, we won't have done any storyline building for four weeks if they keep with the pattern that they've had in the past, which is these shows are more match centered and less about story and character development. And it's hard to go four weeks without advancing storylines outside of matches. So I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that they learned from the kind of stagnation that we saw in December leading into January when they had, I think it was three out of four weeks in a row uh, because they had their Christmas special, they had the Brody Lee tribute, and then they had their New Year's special, which was two episodes. Now, one of Um, those was not planned. (laughs) One of those was not planned. Like, totally fair, totally fair. But still, like we ended up with four episodes in a row that didn't push storylines forward. And it kind of killed the momentum of things for a little while. And I think that's part of why revolution felt rushed. You know, we both talked about that with, with that pay-per-view being, you know, feeling a little bit thrown together. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I just worry that we're going to get into the same place where it's like, you know, we've been chugging up this hill with these Friday night episodes that have been very heavy on story development and creating all these storylines. And now presumably we're going to get payoffs to all these storylines over this four week period. Mm -hmm. And then where are we going to be come the beginning of August? And are we going to be in a good place to restart? Or is it just going to be, you just going to feel exhausted as a viewer? Yeah, I would hope that they look at the, the this four week stretch as one pay per view. Like this is one pay per view. We have our our highlights we want to do on each show while still starting to build up stuff. No, we've talked about before that AW is good at like starting and stopping storylines when they make sense, and like they could plant the seeds for an all out matches at Fighter Fest Night One that really starts to develop in August or they start to develop at uh fight for, or, or God, I can't remember these fucking names fight for the fallen, fight for the fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, two weeks later where they start kicking it off. So it, it just comes, comes down to how they approach these events and how they, how organized and planned out they are. If they're, if, if like Tony Khan's really got this shit organized, then we should be okay. Cause we've seen that they're pretty good at getting these stories going. I think sometimes though it's what leads to storylines lasting too long because it's hard to bring new people into a story when you're not having as many backstage segments, when you're not having as many interviews, when you're not having as many promos because you have all these big matches to pay off. So I'm hoping for more of a balance this go around and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, types of stories that we could see here. We know orange Cassidy said he's not done with Kenny Omega he seems to be taking a little bit of a backseat until Jungle Boy gets his match uh, this week. So Omega, uh, Cassidy seems like a likely match that could happen over that four-week stretch. 
the young bucks defending the titles against anyone in that story like could be death triangle again could be kingston i noticed on the posters they have john moxley on them i know he just had his baby but he could be back by then so maybe a rematch with moxley kingston nyla rose women's championship you could have uh the elite killer fight anyone in the elite in a one-on-one match and be great i think we're getting qt marshall and cody rhodes in a miami beach strap match in road rager so there's a lot of fun matches to look forward to. And as long as they can keep some stories moving, get some new seeds planted. Uh, Cause I know they would look at revolution as their biggest pay-per-view. I think all out like should be the biggest one of the year. It's where it all started. Uh, it's far enough away from WrestleMania season where I think that you can make it a bigger deal. So I really want all out to be good this year, like really, really good. (laughs) And you'll be here three days later and yeah, it's going to be awesome. So let's, let's make sure all out's good. That's all I'm asking. I don't want another revolution 2021. Like, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, and side uh, note, revolution 2021 is still a good (laughs) pay-per-view. Like, like it's not like we're dealing with like, you know, fatal four way 2012 in, in WWE or hell in a cell where they, did you see they had a hell in a cell on SmackDown? Then they had the hell in a cell pay-per-view. And I think there was another hell in a cell last night. The only thing that I am aware (laughs) of is that they used a crash pad and they didn't get the table that was supposed to be there pushed from <laughs> underneath the ring in time. And you could see the arms oh, of the staff person pushing the broken table out from under the ring. And that just is pathetic to me. If you don't want to do the spot, don't do the spot. But like, or also, if you're going to use bullshit camera tricks to hide the fact that you're using a crash pad, I'm all for protecting the talent. But like, Fix that shit in production. Like that should not have made it in front of the live audience. They cut to the camera at a terrible time. Yeah. And dude, it wasn't even like a crazy spot. Like it was just a choke. It was slam getting choke slammed off the apron to the floor. Yeah. Like people bitched about the crash pad when Jericho fell off the top of the cage. Mm-hmm. Like he fell 20 feet, guys. Anyway, we don't talk about the other wrestling company on this show, so let's move on to lightning round. All right, we're moving on to lightning round. I want (laughs) to... Lightning round. First off, you have to meet my buddy Scott when you come up here, Joel, my my chiropractor friend, because he looks just like Brock Anderson. (laughs) To the point where, like... I've met him. You haven't met Scott. He was at your birthday. No, 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 no. I had just met him, so he wasn't at my birthday yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but um, (laughs) when he was in his, like, polo shirt and khaki shorts last week, I sent it to him and his, uh, to our friend group, and they're like, whoa. So uh, my first lightning round point is on Brock Anderson. I thought he looked good. Uh, He, his face looks like Papa, which is still weird. Like, I I find it funny when people's like, oh, he looks so much like his dad. Like, yeah, no shit. Like kids look like their parents, but it's really well, crazy how close I mean, they look not like. all the time. Not, not all the time. Not all the time. But like, we shouldn't be surprised that Brock Anderson looks like his dad. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a difference between like 
having some features in common and looking just like your dad <laughs> and being a clone like, <laughs> like okay let's take take for example jungle boy jungle boy looks just like luke perry mm-hmm. like he he looks so much like luke perry <laughs> dominic mysterio yeah. but joel when's the last time you saw Rey mysterio's face okay you act, you see it more often than you would think. I know a lot more in WCW, <laughs> but no, I was I was really impressed here. You know, this is how I think Okogo's debut match should have been. They should have had him in a tag match where he could have kind of shined in spots without having been the full, sole focus. Because I don't know if we want Brock and I keep wanting to say Brock Lesnar, Brock Anderson, like Aaron Solo having a match on Dynamite quite yet. But to be in this match with the veterans here. I thought so. Look, I mean, great. I think Aaron Solo is actually a great person for him to be in his first singles match with. Aaron Solo is been around for quite a while. He's a very good hand and is someone who can sell like crazy and make Brock look really good. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think um, I just don't know really what his character is going to be because, like, they need to get him from. Arn's kid being his character, they need to get away from that as quickly as humanly possible. Because if that sticks, then it's going to be hard to get anything else mm-hmm. over as his character. You know, unless you break his nose and put him in a face mask, that works pretty well, as we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I just, he's good. He's vanilla, but he's I think, good. Well, I, think, I think they're right with the you know, being a part of this like kind of warring war with the the factory. And then we'll see. I, I feel like teaming him with a random vet like tag team could could be a thing where you slowly move away from the uh Anderson name. Not name, but kind of just move affiliations over. Cause yeah, you don't want him to be constantly standing in the shadow of his Hall of Fame dad. But I think for the debut, I think for the first couple weeks or months of his aw run um it's okay honestly if if this story with the factory goes further you could totally see a fact where like brock turns on cody and that's how you basically him basically saying i don't want to be an anderson blah 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 like there there's a way to do it if they want to so i i just thought it was a pretty pretty solid showing for his his first match on dynamite yeah Agreed. What do you got for me, Joel? Uh, I really enjoyed all of the nonsense in the Orange Cassidy Caesar Bononi match. Uh, I like the wingmen as a group. I think they're super fun. (laughs) And uh, I just thought all of the antics in this match is exactly the kind of thing that I want to see from Orange Cassidy and the best friends. And if they continue feuding with the wingmen, these two groups, uh, I I think it's great. I just I want Chris Statlander to to be involved too. So, you know, I I, I know it wouldn't really work to have a, a woman be a part of the Wingman stable because like that's kind of the joke is that there aren't any women with the Wingman. That's kind of funny <laughs> on its face. Um, but you know, I mean, maybe she can uh, mix it up with somebody and and they can like get involved try to distract her she does have a match coming up in the next couple of weeks so uh so we'll see but um i, I enjoyed this 
I, I like them putting on like the shiny jacket on Cassidy and like brushing his hair and everything. And, and then spraying him with the spray tan, <laughs> which then got all over everything. Yeah. It, I, I, I kind of feel like, uh, the wingmen could kind of be like the, um, the social, was it the social rejects in yeah, social WWE outcasts. social outcasts where it was kind of a dumb gimmick, but the people in it were just so good that it actually worked um there's a lot of charisma among those four guys yeah uh so i i I think this this group has a chance to definitely like overachieve when it comes to uh their place on the card so yeah this was fun nothing else to really say um i'm gonna i'm gonna admit that i watched this while working today joel what did el idolo say because i (laughs) realized halfway through his interview that i had to read the subtitles (laughs) oh buddy so i mean it was a pretty boilerplate promo but it was delivered very well and i think that's the takeaway here i like that they were going back and forth between him speaking english and speaking spanish i think that's a tool that you can use to really help out your talent who are not as confident speaking English. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was a really good segment. So, I mean, I enjoyed this interview and, you know, it's what you would expect from someone who is starting to appear more heelish. Um, the big thing from this promo was him saying that he and Vicky have a surprise for everybody. Uh, because I think that does a great job of building up the anticipation. What is that surprise going to be? I don't know what to expect here, um, but I'm excited for it. The surprise is Eddie's been hiding all along for the last 15 years. And that I legit, that's what my, me, my buddy thought when Eddie died is that, Oh no, this is all part of the storyline. He's going to show up again in two or three years. And some part of me just always wishes that was true, but I'm guessing that won't be the surprise. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know what to say with that. So I'm just going to move on. Um, Mark the date, mark the time. Uh, I'm about to say something nice about Jake Roberts. Oh. Uh, this is the best promo that Jake Roberts has cut since he came to the company. Like since the first Whoa. few that he cut before introducing Lance Archer, uh, this was my favorite thing because one, I was enjoying the promo. I thought it was good. I was like, this is... This is so much better thought out. I liked the the words that were chosen. I thought the metaphors were more comprehensible than usual. And then at the end of the promo, just really sold it for me when Lance freaks out and Jake just looks at the camera and goes, oh, I got to go. Because <laughs> he's got to go stop Lance Archer from doing whatever he was about to do. Uh, and, and losing his shit. I just thought it was fantastic. I loved it. I laughed out loud. And and this is the first Jake Roberts promo I've been into since like <laughs> April of 2020. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, I, I'm trying not to get too into it because I've have felt good about Lance Archer's position too many times and then nothing good comes from it. So, to be clear, I'm not saying like, oh, I think this is a turning point for Lance Archer and his character. I'm just saying I liked this promo. I like this segment. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's move on here. Um, I'm just trying to remember what I wanted to talk about. I got thrown off for a second. Um, I 
poor poor Nakazawa, man. He all he wanted to do was get on that go kart. Kenny kicked him off, and he had to eat some elbows here. Um, I did enjoy this backstage kind of segment of Kenny saying, "You get one shot. You get one shot." It's kind of similar to the the Orange Cassidy things he did. It's like, who are you to think that you can stand with me? Like, like not taking him seriously, kind of mocking him, and uh, you know, how many laptops has Nakazawa broken since <laughs> Kenny Omega's heel turn? Because I feel like he's just blasting people with that laptop like every week. And maybe he's got tough books. Maybe, maybe. But I, I enjoyed this. Um, honestly, like, I don't think you really need to do much with this 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 feud because he won a battle royal. That's why he's in this position. Um, I liked last week how they were saying, like, oh, yeah, he beat 20 people, but were any of them worth a damn? Like, kind of discrediting the accomplishment, total heel move. And I don't think uh, Jungle Boy is quite there yet promo wise. So I think the way to make him look strong in this is to have him kind of come out on top in some of these little backstage stuff. He got the champion running. He got the shot on Nakazawa and he didn't have to say much because he's, he's just not quite there. And I think that's one thing that him and Lucha, uh, the Jurassic express kind of have an issue. I don't think they have anyone who's like a true good mouthpiece right now. And I think that's something that they, that group and particularly jungle boy needs to improve on. Cause even in his short little like things he said on, on dynamite, it still felt forced. Like it didn't. Yeah. Feel he natural. definitely needs more confidence on the mic. I, I don't agree that Jurassic express doesn't have a good talker because I think Luchasaurus is actually a very good talker. The problem is you don't want the big guy being the talker in your mm-hmm. group. Like that's not traditionally the role that, that gets filled there. And it's kind of weird. Like his, his job should be to look tough and menacing and yeah. like, and his dinosaur you know, mask <laughs> roar and destroy people. Uh, and if he's the best talker in your group, that feels like a problem to me. So I agree. Uh, jungle boy could definitely improve there. It just um, seems he hasn't found like his voice of how he wants to present this character. Um, like it, you know, when you watch John Moxley, like, you know what you're going to get from him and his promos because he has a style. He has a cadence. Same thing with Kenny Omega, Don Callis. And it's probably because they, he's not ready to do those promos long enough to really get that. But, um, I don't know if, if we're going to get, you know, a manager for someone, I I think if you're going to push jungle boy more, he might need someone to be able to handle some of these, uh, emotional exchanges. Cause Ugh, it's just not there yet. And I, I, think I didn't go into this to develop that. Skill. Yeah. He's young. And I didn't, I didn't come into this to shit on jungle boy. Cause I loved this segment. I thought it made him look awesome. And the last time we had a Saturday night, uh, dynamite Joel was when Brody Lee kicked the ever living shit out of Cody. And that was a legendary night. And I expect this title match to be potentially one of the best we've had, um, in, since AEW started. So I can't wait. It certainly has that potential. Uh, so Adam page was on dynamite. And so by <laughs> law, I have to talk about Adam page. Uh, I really enjoyed his backstage segment with the dark order. And my favorite part of this is, you know, him talking about everything that the dark order has going for them and addressing individual members and talking about them. And then he gets to Alan angels and he says, uh, and, and Alan, Alan angels, he got a new jacket and, and it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that was the nicest thing he could say. And I love this continued gimmick of Alan Angels just being the verbal and physical punching bag of the Dark Order. He wasn't allowed to ride on the lawnmower. (laughs) You know, this has been an ongoing thing. And I think it's hilarious. He's going to red wedding them at some point. Like he, he's going to be the reason the dark order no longer exists. Like, like he's going to super kick negative one and end the group or something. Like, so you think every night before he goes to bed, he has a list that he reads and just goes yeah. through all their names. Stu, yeah. evil Uno, the hound page. Yeah. Cersei. <laughs> like it, it would be wonderful. if like, and then he, when he he he's in the ring, like the QT Marshall, like why'd you do it, angels? And then he just like roll the clip, and it's just everything. <laughs> every time he's been shit on by the Dark Order, and I'm gonna be saying to them like, "You're right, <laughs> you're right, dude. Good well, for you for for destroying this faction." As we've said time and time again, heels tell the truth. So, Mike, yes, what you got? Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, the main event, um, Joel. There was a large amount of pants in this match. <laughs> and when I say that, all six competing members had pants on. And that's not even including uh, Nick Jackson, who interfered, pants. Uh, Brandon Cutler at ringside, pants. And Pentagon's dude. I can never, Alex Abernathy, right? Aben, Abernath? Abrahantis. Aber- oh, I was off. Yeah that he had pants on so there were nine people including the ref 10 people wearing pants in this match joel i feel like this is the culmination of my wrestling fanhood because i have always been team pants over everything else and i don't know how you get more people in the ring at once wearing pants it's humble wonderful. beginnings from from hashtag Dolph needs pants to now <laughs> i mean it's been a long road but i think we've done some good work yeah. And also, uh, Frankie Kazarian looks badass right now with yes. the dark beard, the black pants. Um, even last week when he when he made the save, he was wearing like the camo pants with the jacket. Like it's it's a small, subtle look change for him, but it just makes him look like such a badass. And I really enjoy this elite story, the elite killer storyline where. Man, wouldn't it be fun if one of those main events over that four weeks of time is Kenny Omega versus Frankie Kazarian? I'd dig it. Yeah, like that would be a wonderful, well-fought match. So, um, yeah, and in terms of this trios match, I thought it was really fun. I have one criticism. It's getting hard to see the bad guys go over every single week. Like, this is only effective when the babyface baby faces get theirs and i feel like we're on like two straight months of the baby faces constantly getting punked by the elite here so we need the payoff soon because it's just kind of disheartening to see it every single week yeah i mean i think one of the things that we talked about before we got on and start recording was that you know these episodes for the past month or so probably even a little bit longer than that, probably going all the way back to Double or Nothing, it's been very focused on building characters and building stories. And I think from a planning perspective, that's got to be leading into this four-week stretch in July. So Mm -hmm. I don't think anything significant is going to happen before these four shows. And I do expect that we're going to get some resolutions to these storylines and these feuds 
during that time frame. And, uh, you know, we'll find out and we'll kind of regroup and see where we are after all the chaos and, uh, you know, pick up in August and head towards all out. But uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I don't have anything else from this episode. So uh, I, I, I'm good. I got, uh, I think, two things, maybe three things, but I'll I'll be fast. Uh, one, I loved Ethan Page and uh, Scorpio Sky's matching ring gear. It looked really good. Um, I thought that match was fine. I guess Darby does need Sting, and that's the story they're going to run with that maybe leads to our eventual Darby Allen Sting, best friends, let's fight, see who's the best type of thing. Um, I, I don't think Nyla Rose was on TV tonight, but I liked Vicky's interactions with Britt Baker. Um, I thought that was fun and (laughs) I guess we're going to get Vicky Guerrero in the ring here soon. So sweet. (laughs) Um, looking forward to that. And, um, I, I might finally be out of things to talk about. I'm checking. Oh, uh what i loved miro coming out and basically being like penelope's had a hard time recently when like all of oh, yeah. was induced by miro what's some yeah. like gaslighting nonsense is this like it, i loved I, it i also loved him referring <laughs> to himself as god's favorite champion <laughs> miro man no oh I, I love it. A and plus, I, A yeah. plus character work. I yep. love everything that they're doing with Miro, and I'm so excited to see yeah. it move forward. And I hope that I hope Kip Sabian is the person to take the TNT title yep. off of him when he comes back from injury. That would be amazing. Yeah. I I would love to see it. And also, uh, I I'm, I think I saw that Brian Pillman is going to be facing Miro soon for the title, and I kind of like that. You like. Pillman wasn't punked in this segment. Like Griff Garrison got thrown out of the ring and Pillman knocked, got him off his feet with that dive into the ring. Um, so just kind of the, what we talked about when uh, the varsity blondes had their, their title match a few weeks ago, like it's the summer of the varsity blondes. So let's get some more Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison. And I thought Julia Hart looked pretty good in this match too. Um, very green, but you can see the ability, yeah, like tons of she's potential. only going to get better. And the biggest problem that I had with the match itself, which I did enjoy is just that it was a little bit slow and mm. it didn't feel like it, it was moving at the same speed that we've seen from the women's division recently. And, uh, I, I think that's just a matter of inexperience. She's like 19 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, give her some time. She's got a lot, a lot of ability. Yeah. All right. Well, that's everything. I got my last few things out of there. So guys, gals, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show at Gmail doc. Wait, Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, not at gmail.com. You can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. Um, can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts, we're there. And uh, Joel, anything else to say before I take this dog out for a walk? Because he's attacking me right now. Join the Dark Order. 
Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.